podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hi, this is Tony Cotty and you're listening to the We Are West End podcast. You are listening to the We Are West Ham podcast with me, Will Pugh, Tom Edwards and James Jones. And since we last spoke, London and parts of Essex have been plunged back into Tier 3 from one minute past midnight on Wednesday morning, meaning West Ham go back to playing home games in front of no fans. And it also means that James Jones will have to wait a few more weeks before he can attend his first match in around nine months, having secured himself an in for the Crystal Palace game. However, it seems to suit the Hammers as having lost to Man United in front of 2,000 people at the London Stadium. They promptly went up to an empty Elland Road and came away with an outstanding three points, thanks to a 2-1 win against Leeds and set-piece prowess that big Sam Allardyce would be proud of. David Moyes' men are sitting pretty in sixth. Yes, that's right, sixth in the Premier League and just five points behind league leaders Tottenham after 12 games. Crystal Palace travelled to East London on Wednesday night before a huge game at Chelsea on Monday where Aaron Cresswell gave us all three points last season. Exciting times, great to see confidence running through the squad. But James... Are you able to revel in it or are you just furious that Uncle Boris and Matt Hancock have denied you the chance to see the Mighty Hammers in person again? Uh, happy with the form. Happy with the Leeds result, obviously. But yeah, just yeah, tonight I'm very, very frustrated. I was absolutely buzzing to get over there on Wednesday night and um, Hertfordshire. My, one of, I, mean, I live in one of four parts of Hertfordshire that have also gone into Tier 3 on Wednesday. <laughs> Um, so literally can't catch a break. So yeah, I'm I'm pretty gutted tonight. Absolutely gutted. I can't remember the last time I saw anyone outside my household or my bubble. So I was buzzing to uh, to go, but it is what it is. Can't stop it. Um, yeah, just hope hopefully sooner rather than later get over there. Absolutely, mate. Green with envy, weren't you, when uh, pictures of me and Tom together at that Manchester United game. Thomas, we are lucky enough to have seen each other. Recently, we were hoping to be able to, again, Wednesday night. It was all lined up, raring and ready to go to see us play Palace. But no can uh, no can do, no can be, whatever the, the phrase is there. Bit of an unfortunate one, but um, West Ham are still really good. So, silver linings and all that sort of thing. Exactly. If there's any way to make up for it, it's doing Leeds 2-1 away. And uh, keep flying on, keep carrying on and keep performing the way they are as a real unit. A real team with some sprinkles of uh, pure quality the other night, particularly from my favourite man, Ben Rama. But yeah, I, was, I think everyone, all three of us, I was desperate to see you guys. It would been lovely to be there, watch the game together and uh, get a few cheeky drinks in while I was watching the West Ham like the old days. But we've got to move on, like you both said. It's, there's nothing we can do about it and we'll be back in there together sooner rather than later and hopefully seeing uh, West Ham in Europe. Absolutely, mate. Yeah, West Ham in Europe. But uh, we missed you last week, Tom. Obviously, you couldn't make it, but delighted to see you uh, back as ever. Is it? What was your um, sort of main takeaway from the week you had off? Have you had any time to reflect on uh, on West Ham and the podcast and life in general? Or are you sort of the same bloke that we said goodbye to two weeks ago? I'm the same bloke, uh, just with a few Christmas tree needles attached to every bit of my clothing at the minute uh, from trying to shift those in West Hampstead. If you want one, you know where to find me now, lads. But um, 
<laughs> yeah, close. mate. I listened to the pod. Yeah, yeah, exactly. West Ham said Trees and Reeves get it in. But um, no, you lads were great. I loved it. So um, didn't miss me too much. But yeah, I miss being on as always and uh, just one of those. As for West Ham, like you say, we're just pretty bloody good. And I think that's uh, more apparent the weeks go on and fingers crossed it carries on. Absolutely, mate. Good stuff on the football front. Uh, before we catch up with the boys in more detail, just give you a quick rundown of what is coming up on this week's show. It is a packed one as ever. Uh, delighted to say that we are welcoming another former West Ham player. It was Matt Taylor last week, Wally Downs the week before. Slightly sad circumstances given the death of Papa Booba Diop. But this week, we are thrilled to say that Martin Allen is joining me and the lads to talk. Leeds, Crystal Palace and the Chelsea game coming up. Marko Arnautovic and whether or not he is coming back from West Ham after comments made by him in the week. We, of course, asked the We Are West Ham listeners for their view this week. It was, if the season has got stopped immediately, who would be your hammer of the year? Quite a unanimous victory for one player in particular on that. The Betway charity bets are, of course, back. No wins again last week, but me and the lads were close. James Jones, I think, being the closest one. We've got the Crystal Palace selections in, locked in already. So we'll run over those as me and the lads try and win some money for our West Ham linked charities. The opposition view is back. We have got two games West Ham before we do our next podcast, but only time, unfortunately, to squeeze in one opposition view. So we've got Max Matthews, sports journalist and Crystal Palace fan joining us for the opposition view. Name that game is back. You had to take a hiatus last week because Tom was missing, but I am the quiz master and me and Tom still trying to grapple that lead back from James Jones, who's sitting pretty at the top of the league. No points available for me this week as I'll be asking the questions, but the lads will go head to head. And of course, we will wrap up with the West Ham women's segment. And what a week it's been for the girls. A great 4-0 win at Bristol City on Sunday. Put some distance between them and their hosts who sit at the bottom of the WSL table. And some new manager news. Matt Beard, of course, parted company with the club weeks ago. Now it seems there was some concern among fans about when a new manager is going was going to be appointed and some rumblings in the offing today that uh, a, a name is in the hat and an announcement is due any day now, we're led to believe. Of course, we'll wrap up with the Fantasy Premier League update. Is rapidly becoming my favourite segment of the podcast week in, week out. But it's an absolutely uh, packed show, like I said. Uh, James, back to me for the housekeeping. I think, if you don't mind, you did a sterling job. But um, since then, it's not like the reviews have gone through the roof or anything. So I think... I'll, uh, I'll stick to it. Bit of housekeeping as ever. Follow us on Twitter at we are underscore West Ham. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, the link to which you can find in the description of this podcast. So just scroll down to the description and you can click and watch me and the lads week in, week out. You'll also be able to watch Martin Allen join us this week. All of the guests we've had in recent weeks, Craig Forrest, Wally Downs, Matt Taylor, uh, Tony Cotty, Tony Gow, they've all been on and you can watch back. Um, have a look at those on YouTube if you like. Do subscribe to the podcast. Tell your friends about it. Send them a text. Tell them you've been listening to us and you think they might like it too. Give us a review, all of the usual sorts of stuff. James, Leeds, we've won 2-1 away. We're sixth in the Premier League. 
last couple of there was some murmurings. You accused me of always being angry after wins. Definitely wasn't angry after this one because it was a deserved win, an excellent performance without King Arthur Masuaku. And it turns out that West Ham can play four at the back. Yeah, I think um, I was. I saw the when they announced the lineup. I thought, oh, no, here we go, four at the back again. This is going to be a bit of a disaster, isn't it? But to be fair to them all, every single one of them, and I include Haller in that, I know he's had a lot of stick, but every single one gave absolutely everything. Um, and, you know, I think it was only a second win at Ellen Road in the Premier League ever. Uh, they don't come around too often. I know they've been they've been at the Premier League for what, the last 16, 17 years, but um, it was never, never a nice place for us to go when they were in the Premier League before. So it's nice to go there and get three points and absolutely brilliant all night. Um, outplayed them for best part of 85 minutes got a bit lucky with a penalty with uh, Haller and the build up miscontrolling it but I thought even then I thought you know we've still got a chance we get back at them don't let it affect us the VAR decision as well and uh, it could have been more which has been the story for our season isn't it we spoke about it last week after the United game all those missed chances luckily this week it didn't it didn't cost us but uh, you know it could have been five or six really couldn't it and um you know, if we keep playing like that, five at the back, four at the back, two at the back, doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> it, we're, we're on our way here at the moment, aren't we? And, you know, long might continue. Who needs any at the back, am I right? But yeah, if we uh, yeah. if we hit the woodwork once more in the next few weeks, that might be it. I'm loving us being sixth place. But yeah, you mentioned the missed chances then. That does make you a little bit nervous. But hey, this time, thoroughly well-deserved. Tom, uh, same sentiments yeah. from you, I'm sure, regarding the three points, which was massive. The penalty retake at first, David Moyes absolutely beside himself after the game. It was really strange post-match interviews, asked what his thoughts were. And instead of talking about the excellent win and the uh, the great transition, he his to... inner Will Pugh, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely did. Yeah, once I'm sitting at home, I had a massive smile on my face. I'd forgotten all about it, and David's still furious. You need to know when to draw the line, Dave. <laughs> but uh, Tom, yeah. the penalty retake. I say Moyes sort of harked back to that moment right at the beginning of the game. Yeah, poor touch from Haller to let them in. No complaints about the penalty. Um, Lucas Fabianski shown to be off his line, albeit only by a millimetre, but the rule says keeper can't be off his line when the penalty is taken. Any complaints from you or was Moyes, Moyes the only one in the world who seemed really bothered by it? I think it's one of those where it, it, the rule's the rule now and what's the point in, in losing your rag over it necessarily because we all know there's a few rubbish rules in football which VAR has absolutely shone a spotlight on and that's one of them because keepers got to travel such a distance. You've got to give him some level of advantage. The guy's got a 12-foot uncontested kick, so he's got to have a chance of getting it. So I think it's one that may be looked at and there may be some give given in the future. But yeah, no, I had no complaints on that. And I think the timing of it and everything adds to one of the main reasons why I think that result was my favourite of the season, the one that's given me the most belief in this squad. Because like you mentioned, we missed Masuaku, so we had to change formation, a formation which hasn't worked under Moyes before. Coming off the back of a United performance where we were brilliant first half and, and probably should have won that. There'll be frustrations there. And then going 1-0 down very early on to a very, very high-pressing team who probably would have felt like they can really come at us in that period. So it was just one of those things which added to a brilliant show of resilience from the squad. And I have no complaints with that in particular and the way they fought back was pretty pretty unbelievable. And it's great to see a West Ham team with that level of 
courage and responsibility throughout the lineup to go out there and wrong the right the wrong, so to speak. Yeah, I think it was the first time we've come back to win away after being down for two years or something. So, yeah, pretty good to see that. We're normally on the other end of those, aren't we? Uh, going ahead and mm. then throwing away the lead. Two masterful headers from Thomas Suchek and Angelo Albona. What a man Angelo Albona is. A bit gutted that the, um, obviously that I didn't have him in my charity bet again because that would have come in. But the uh, Sebastian Heller, look, we've got Martin Allen coming on in a minute, lads. James, you've said already that, you know, every man uh, put the all in, including Haller. You've already uh, gone to great lengths to include Haller in that statement. Tom, haven't got your thoughts on it yet. What what are you had what are you saying, James, on, on Haller? Because we'll we'll ask Martin Allen in a minute what he's got to say. I remember him talking before about sexy soccer, but yeah, I, I do feel for him. I don't want to I don't like slamming players unnecessarily. He had a poor game, didn't he? He had a poor game. Um, but it was quite clear that it wasn't, you know, it, it wasn't as if he he was being lazy and he wasn't getting in positions or um, he wasn't involved. You know, he was involved throughout. Um, he just, on the night, his touch wasn't quite there for my, for the most part. And yeah, I mean, obviously it led to the penalty. Um but he had so many chances and a lot of those he would have scored. We've seen him score very, very similar chances in the past. It, 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 was, a, it was a performance that showed just how out of confidence he is. He's really lacking in confidence. Um, and I don't know whether he's been reading the criticism on social media aimed towards him from some of the fans. Maybe that's getting to him as well. Maybe, I don't know. But, I mean, at the end of the day, he's, he's the only striker we've got in the squad that's fit. So he's going to be playing every week. Uh, and I just don't think his performance against Leeds was anything other than him just having a bad day. I don't think he he's played he's probably played worse. I think, and um, some of the chances he had, he would have put them away last season. Probably, it's just it's just one of those things. And luckily, we won the game. It didn't cost us anything in the end. Um, but he will he will come good. I'm sure he will. I didn't think I didn't think he would a couple of weeks ago, um, but. Despite that performance, I saw enough in his in the way he was getting into in those positions for to create those chances. Um, made me think. Well, actually, no, I think he will come good. Just needs just needs a goal to come off his bum, um, <laughs> and, yeah. and 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 it, it'll happen. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I don't quite like this, a lot of the criticism going to you know being being put, put on his put on his plate because um, you know it's not as if he's. He's not trying because he definitely is. You saw it the other night. He was trying. Mm, yeah, I mean, David Moyes and Declan Rice both had, uh, you know, both their comments after the game, both have sort of had a, a bit of a poke at him in, in different ways. David Moyes quickly got off the topic when he was asked about Haller after the game, a bit of a deliberate uh, ignorance from David Moyes. And, and Declan Rice with some quotes that were on the West Ham website earlier on. Um, sort of again, it was it's pretty tame stuff when you say it out loud. But but part of his interview said, "Ah, oh, Seb could have set me up for two tap-ins. I would have definitely have scored." The sorts of things where the, the players are well trained enough on media stuff that they get their message out in their it, own it's way. Worth, it's worth pointing out um, from my perspective is that I, I don't do I think he's going to be he, he's the striker that's going to lead this into Europe over the next few years. No. Um, but do I think he's as bad as everyone claims he is? No, he's not that bad. There's a reason why he was part of a very, very 
good front three at Frankfurt before everyone sort of basically bought them all off them. Now, he's a good striker. It's just, you know, it's just going for a bit of a bad run at the moment. So, um, but I don't think he's the right the right man for us moving forward. So we do need to bring in a replacement. But um, I can see why he's getting getting criticism. But the level of it, I don't agree with. Yeah, I do. I, I do agree. Tom, uh, we'll, we'll bring Martin Allen in in a minute in part two, and I am looking forward to hearing what he's got to say about that. It does make me a little bit uncomfortable. Everyone piling on. I think it's important what James has said there to remember that he's no Albion Ieti. He's no Jordan Hugill. Is he? he's no Simone Zaha, etc., etc., etc. He's far better than all of those people are. Of course, getting hung up on it because he cost forty-five million quid. And he's the one of, if the, uh, if not the highest paid player in the squad. So I think, you know, some of the criticism, if it does come his way, is, is deserved. And people still want him to do well. I don't feel like people are reveling in the abuse like they sometimes do. But look, we'll discuss all of that and more with uh, West Ham cult hero, Martin Allen, who's coming up next. So you are still listening to the We Are West Ham podcast with me, Will Pugh, Tom Edwards and James Jones. Me and the lads revelling in another victory for West Ham, putting us sixth in the Premier League. I'm delighted to say that joining us is West Ham legend, six years at Upton Park, 232 West Ham United appearances and a first time uh, guest on the We Are West Ham podcast, none other than Martin Allen. Martin, it is wonderful to have you with us. Obviously, the last time we spoke to you was in the old heady days of Love Sport Radio when me and James were tucked up in that little studio in Southwark and we spoke to you then. It's been a while, but we appreciate uh, you coming back to joining us tonight. First of all, We've got to talk about the Leeds game and uh, one topic that we've, we've already clashed heads on this evening is Sebastian Haller. Now, I remember you talking uh, when David Moyes was appointed about the getting rid of sexy soccer and that West Ham just needed to focus on working hard, winning some games. David Moyes has certainly done that. Do you fa- feel that Sebastian Haller fits into that sexy soccer um, bracket of players where He's perhaps a bit of a luxury, or do you think he's just down on his luck at the moment? Um, I think with the emergence and the good form of uh, Mikel Antonio, it's seen um, Haller drop, if you like, out of the team, onto the bench. And before he joined West Ham, he did, and he, he has got good form. He can do well. But when you've been out of the team for a while, you can lose confidence. You can lose self-belief. And you, start, you can start to doubt yourself. There have been opportunities for him to score goals. And that, for me, is key. When you're a forward and you don't get any chances, you've never, ever got a chance of scoring in the future. With Haller, he has had chances and that is important. He's getting in the right place. In time, they will come. But in the back of his mind, he probably knows that as soon as Mikel answers, he's going to be dropped out of the team. And that will be playing on his mind, and he won't like that. Yeah, absolutely. In the meantime, in the meantime, um, David Moyes uh, will persevere with him. 
he will stick with him. And as a manager, you have to sometimes wait. Crowd and the, uh, the pay in public can sometimes be impatient. Um, but that's part of the life and um, that's what it is. And that's what we've got. Uh, and Sebastian, uh, he needs help and he doesn't need knocking at the moment. That's, that, that's what I was going to ask, Martin. Obviously, you've been a manager. After the game, David Moyes was asked in his post-match interview uh, about what he thought of Hallas' performance. And it was noticeable how quickly he, he moved on. He didn't say anything complimentary. He just said, yeah, Sebastian knows what we expect of him. And then he moved on to talk about the Leeds goalkeeper, saying how what a good game the Leeds goalkeeper has had, blah, blah, blah. Declan Rice is also in some quotes on the West Ham website that have come out since the game made, again, fairly tame on, on the face of it, but made a couple of comments about, oh, yeah, Sebastian could have put me, could have like played me through a couple of times with some chances. We could have had more goals, blah, blah, blah. As a manager in the position, you, you've been there before. If you're David Moyes, you know, your job relies on your players doing, doing well for you as well. Like you say, everyone knows that Antonio's his number one. What's, what's his mindset there, David Moyes, thinking, well, I want to get the best out of him, but I don't want to destroy him either. How do you, how do you approach that? How would you have approached it? But it's the same for supporters. It's not just David Moyes. I think the key word is what we've both just used is supporters. If someone's not having a good time, what do you knock them and push them down and make them feel worse about themselves? You try and inspire them, give, give them belief, help them and look after them, do extra training with them, call them into the video room and show them the goals that you've scored at the previous club and some good moments that he, he has had some good games at West Ham. I've seen them. So mm. he's got it in his locker. It's not a time to knock your players. We are all supporters. So support your players and more as a proper supporter. When your players are not having a good time, don't knock them and call them... Um, what's a word I could use... Um, I'm not going to use the word I want to use good to your players because those players are the ones that we all support and if they're not having a good time you've got to support them and hope they get better because why knock mm. them and put them down it just does not make sense as a manager and as a supporter Mike one player on, on Friday night that had a complete opposite performance to, to Halla um, playing with a lot of confidence was Saeed Benrahma he uh, struggled to to break straight into the team, but got his first first start and and looked brilliant throughout, and looked like the sort of player that can can really give Haller those chances. So, what, what did you make of Ben Rama's impact? And do you think he's the type type of guy that could almost be the second uh, the second coming of Dimitri Payet? Oh. It's somebody in your house. They're not robbing it, are they? <laughs> <laughs> that, that's just the wife. Oh, is it? Oh, I thought she was nicking. Is she nicking? Might be. Yeah, she she's, might she's nicking me dinner. She's nicking all them presents. Boy, that boy Ben Rama, he is a good player. He is a good signing. Apart from his haircut, he is top, top draw. He is a fantastic player. He's a fantastic player. And as a number 10 behind the striker, he doesn't always track back with fullbacks like 
Boeing does on the other side, or like um, uh, who's that Spanish boy playing Four on the wheels? He runs up and down and yeah, four hours. He tracks up and down, and so does Boeing, which is obviously what the manager wants. And you know, like the Liverpool players do, that their forwards track up, track up and down the pitch with fullbacks. Ben Rama doesn't really do that, but as a number ten, he can get back onto the uh, back of the central holding midfield players of the opposition, and still be part of a good defensive unit to make it ten defenders, if you like, if it's needed. But technically, with the ball, he's an absolute magician. I've got friends that are Brentford supporters and um, he is a good player. He is a good signing. Oh my God, he's good. Martin, uh, another player who's been pretty unbelievable since he came in was Suchek. And he's, he's a sort of revolutionised. Him and Bowen in January were huge signings from Moyes. They like to do three players running between them in there and they're pretty special as a pairing. How, how important is keeping both of them for a long time and tying down Rice to a longer contract? Well, firstly, um, I 100% agree with you with uh, the Czech Suchek. Uh, that mm. sounds good, doesn't it? The Czech Suchek. <laughs> uh, You're a natural. <laughs> the Czech Suchek. Um, I think he's a very good player. Um, he might not be the most beautiful technical footballer, but defending set plays in our own box and then attacking set plays and crosses in the attacking box, he is a real danger. And someone compared him in a similar way to um, that player that was at Everton and Manchester United, Fellaini, six foot two, and he's good in both boxes. He might not, he's, you know, he's not like, um, uh, he's not like Ian Bishop style of footballer. He, he's a different type and he'll go unnoticed, but when it really matters, inside your both 18 boxes he comes alive there's another one that I don't think you mentioned there and that's the right back that they signed from Sparta Prague I think um, yeah. what's his name Kufal yeah Kufal who Vladimir Sufal from Slavia Prague well he's a good player and all don't don't kid yourself he is a proper defender he um, he's not like your, your magical attacking fullback but uh, as a defender, he does a fantastic job. And it's no coincidence that results have been very good since he came in. Another good player that's that been signed recently that uh, doesn't get much praise, but I really, really like him, is the right-sided attacking player called Bowen. Mm. His positive energy with the ball, his desire to get it back without the ball, his self-belief to get into shooting opportunities and to create and make and shot and goals, I think the three signings have really made a difference. And we haven't yet seen the what I would call gold dust of Ben Rama on a regular basis. But I think this team that West Ham have got is, um, well, it, it's very exciting. Um, I wear this outfit that I've got on. When West Ham are playing on the telly, what are you laughing at? <laughs> <laughs> I was just hoping you were going to show us. Yeah, come on. Oh, look, I've got the claret and blue shirts and all that on. When West Ham are playing on the telly, I sit here and I watch the game and I pretend I'm playing. And that's why I put this kit on, claret and blue. What are you laughing at? <laughs> boots as well. Shin pads. No, I ain't shin pads, no. No, no boots and blue shin pads, no. No, 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 don't spoil it. It's my joke. I love it. I love it. I love it. And do you know what I love? 
what I love is listening at the moment to all the fans from that little club in North London complaining that they don't play sexy soccer and they're top of the league, but they still hate their club and they hate their team because that guy's now their manager. And I just look at them and this like, idiot. They don't like it, their team's top of the league because they're not playing the sort of super sexy soccer that's got this reputation round at that North London. Yeah. So, uh, no, I, I think it's good. West Ham will soon be beating them. <laughs> Absolutely. Martin, that was my favourite phrase I've heard out of you this year. I remember uh, there was some criticism from uh, parts of the fan base when, when David Moyes was uh, appointed uh, in his role. And we have been the first ones on this podcast to give him the massive respect that he deserves because he's got his head down. He hasn't listened to any of the noise. It wasn't a, a great situation to come into with the animosity. Uh, between fan and board but he's come in he's got his head down professionally done his job not paid any attention to that and the results have started coming on the pitch we've got nothing but respect from him since are you you I remember you saying you were quite vocal with your support at the beginning despite lots of people uh criticizing the decision but you mentioned then sexy soccer that West Ham wanted that under Pellegrini and that's what they were after and I remember thinking well Okay, yeah, it didn't work with Pellegrini. Perhaps we could try again at a manager of that sort. But the football that we're seeing at the moment is still really good. What what have you made of, of David since he's come in? Because you you've certainly been vindicated. Um, if if the board haven't as well. Yeah, well, we all know in uh, in life and society nowadays, people are very quick to criticise and uh, knock and uh, complain um, and live and live in the dark side. Um, some of those supporters, they may have had a point that some of the acquisitions or purchases uh, of the players bought in weren't good enough. And I think the owners would probably be the first to hold their hands up and say that the players that did come in over a period of time weren't good enough to play for West Ham in a good Premier League team. I'm sure the owners would say that. But now these players are in and they're doing so well, I'm sure the supporters that were uh, anti the owners would probably be saying, well, they bought good. Now's the time to enjoy. This is a really good West Ham team. And this is something to be enjoyed. And um, you know, this, this team can challenge. As soon as Antonio gets back, this is a, this is a proper decent team. This is a really good team. Mm. And I'm sure people will get on the bandwagon in a positive fashion. And it, it should it should excite and it's good for the future. I think you just now mentioned Declan Rice. Um, I think he's a key player. I think he's the best central midfield player in the Premier League, doing what he's doing in that role because he's got pace. Um, he's better than those players, all them players at Manchester United. He's certainly better than that guy, was it Rodney, that plays for Man City? Yeah, Rodney, yeah. Some... Rodney. <laughs> Rodri, the centre mid, yeah, Rodri. We'll call him Rodney, that's fine. Um, he's better than the ones at Chelsea. For doing the role that he does, he will be a target for the very, very top clubs because he's got pace. He's six foot three, he can head the ball, he can get about, and he's very good technically just keeping and giving the ball. He is going to be in demand. But I think he signed a six-year contract. So... Mm. The club don't need to sell him yet. They won't need to sell him through next season unless he comes knocking on the door. But as captain, he looks with his body language to be happy and thriving on the role that he's got. And if, that, if the stadium, when we get it back, 
he's rocking and bouncing, I think Declan Rice would be happy to stay if West Ham are challenging up near the top. And from what I can see, the rest of those teams at the top of the Premier League are crap anyway, so there's nothing for us to fear. Yeah, good point, Martin. I completely agree with you on that bit. But um, looking ahead to Wednesday night, uh, welcome Palace to London Stadium. Our form at, at, in Stratford has been pretty good, barring the United result the other day. Um, Palace, on the other hand, have been a little bit sort of touch and go, but quite good away from home. How do you see that one going? Because if we win that, then we're, we're well in the mix for, for a top six shot because it's still quite tight there. Yes, well, it's that sort of negative comment I don't enjoy. If we win. When we win, um, fair point. Yeah, no, completely agree. When we win, when we win. Let me rephrase. When we yes. win, when we win, when we win. I saw Crystal Palace play away at West Brom a couple of weeks ago. They play deep and on the counter attack. They have a very good attacking player that they got from QPR called Eze. He is a very good player. We all know about Zaha. He plays moments, just moments, small moments in a game where he can change the game. And when West Ham are attacking, that is when Crystal Palace are dangerous. They're very well organised. They all defend. They all work hard as a team. They're experienced. Um, they're, they're well organised by Roy Hodgson, as you would expect. And they've got these danger players on the counter-attack. That will be the problem for West Ham. However, we have far, far too much for Crystal Palace. And, and I'm sure this will be uh, a good um, another good West Ham victory. Martin, in a game like Palace, where both teams are, are brilliant on the counter attack, and we've been we've been great on the counter, and um, look like we can hurt any team when we sit deep as well, like we have away from home and absolutely battered teams when we we're amazing with four hours and Bowen and breaking at pace. How do we look about unlocking a side who is probably going to be equally as deep and not want the ball as much as we don't want the ball? Is it players like? Ben Rama to take responsibility and get in the pockets of space. Is it up to those type of players to put in the big performances at home and start turning us into that big side by beating the teams you want to counter as well? Yeah, well, we've seen with uh, Crystal Palace, they've just got a, a result at the, uh, the North London Minnows um, <laughs> at the weekend, 1-1. Uh, so you can see that they're dangerous. They don't concede many goals and they know what they're doing. But it's in these types of games where people like Ben Rama, um, where, you know, they can, like you say, they can, with their gold dust and their moments of magic, win and change the game. They're good defending. They don't let many crosses in. Their midfield players, when they're deep, play like centre-backs. It's very difficult to break through them. And they're very well organised on defending all set plays. So it is a difficult game. If your fullbacks are not natural attacking fullbacks. Um, where Creswell, I would put him into an attacking fullback. The, the one at right back, the, the Czech at right back. Um, I'm allowed to call him Czech. He's in Czech, isn't he? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Just I'm don't get sure mixed up with the Czech Suchek. No, not mm. Suchek, Suchek, Czech. Um, I'm not sure he's got that quality, but with Bowen. And, um, and let's be honest, Haller can do it. He has mm. got it in his locker. If he. If he steps up his game just a little bit and has that, gets that self-belief, and you, can, you do get it back if you train hard and you work hard, if Haller is on the top of his game, he is a decent player. Let's not kid ourselves. He is a good player. He scored how many goals? For, who did he come from? Dortmund or somewhere, Ein, wasn't it? He got shed the goal. Yeah. How many goals did he get for them? 
Loads, Loads. in the, in the 20s, yeah. I know the German football's rubbish, isn't it? Most of them, apart from Bayern Munich. Um, but no, he can get goals. M- Martin, just quickly, um, before, we, before we let you go, so we've got Chelsea coming up on uh, Monday as well. Give us a score prediction for Palace, first of all. If you had, to, if you had a five and now, where'd you be putting it? Well, that's a West Ham victory. That's pretty straightforward. Um, two nil, uh, half time, and then three nil victory. Three nil. And what was the other game you wanted? Uh, Chelsea oh. as well. Chelsea. And what was the Monday. other game you asked about? Chelsea. Is that home or away? Uh, away. Yeah, away to Chelsea on Monday night. Away there. Yeah. Uh, I think I scored there once with a diving header, didn't I, from the corner? <laughs> Aaron, um, Cr- Aaron Creswell gave us all three points last season as well. Did the double over them, didn't we? So we got good form. Oh, yeah. And um, I think Chelsea's weakness, their weakness is uh, defending set plays. Um, Corners and free kicks, especially last year, it was a big weakness. I'm not sure if it's improved this year. I think it has. Um, That away game at Chelsea, they've got some fantastic attacking players. Um, They are a real danger. But um, I can see uh, the Suchek uh, scoring from corners and set plays against them. And I think that'll be a West Ham United victory of 1-0. Excellent stuff, just like last season. Martin, now one, I'm eager, eager, eager to get your, your thoughts on this one before we let you go. What are your thoughts on Marko Arnautovic? Because I seem to remember um, you not being too keen on him when he left the club. Oh, well, I think he's a fantastic player. But I thought over the last month, uh, before he got his move, um, his takeaway to China, um, I thought his attitude dipped big time and his performance level dipped. Um, If he had that Chinese takeaway move lined up, then he should have um, really got his head down and played to his maximum. But I didn't think he did. Um, Me personally, um, I would not take him back um, he is a good player. He's a game changer. He's a match winner. I loved watching him play centre forward when David Moyes changed him to a centre forward from a winger. I, I thought at times he was unplayable and quite brilliant. But once you've done, you've turned your back on your teammates and turned your back on the supporters like he did, it ain't for me. Um, I'd like a 50 50 with him, and that would be the end of it. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, Martin, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on with us back on uh, just like the old school Love Sport Radio days again. A little bit different this time because we're not crammed in that uh, tiny little room in Southwark and uh, I'm not wiping all your crumbs off the chair after I've taken the seat in the studio after you either. But it's, <laughs> but it's, uh, it's absolutely brilliant to see you again hopefully we'll get you on um, again in a few weeks time it's great time to support West Ham at the moment and you're you're absolutely right with your positivity and I think um, certainly if they didn't before a few more people will and should definitely listen to you next time if West Ham ever replaced their manager again because I remember you were one of few voices uh, back in David Moy. so it's wonderful to have you with us and stay with us because we've got the Betway charity bet section coming up next
So you are still listening to the We Are West Ham podcast, and that was West Ham cult hero, mad dog, Martin Allen there. Very, very, very impressed with his warning to James Jones, thinking someone was rubbing James's house, but it was in fact just his wife walking behind. So that is, if that's not a reason to go and watch the We Are West Ham show this week on YouTube, then I don't know what is, but great stuff from martin there lads obviously get your thoughts when we wrap up and get your final thoughts on the show later on uh, but before we do that what we were hoping to talk to martin about was the we are west ham twitter poll we do one every week for those of you who aren't following us on at we are underscore west ham go over there so you can get involved with all the polls each week see the giveaways that we do, etc., etc. But this week, um, James, Tom, we asked if the season stopped now, who would be your hammer of the year? And let us know why in the comments. And I was surprised, quite honestly. The options were Angelo Ogbonna, Thomas Suchek, Declan Rice, and Mikhail Antonio. I was surprised that one of those players got just 0.8% of the votes and the winner by a huge margin, 64.2% was Angelo Ogbonna. Angelo Ogbonna takes the award if the season stopped now, 64.2%. Declan Rice came in second with 18.1%. Thomas Suchek just behind him on 169 And Mikhail Antonio, bottom of the leaderboard, is 0.8%. That seems very, very, very harsh on Mikhail, but James, are you surprised to see Angelo sitting at the top or are you more surprised or mortified on Antonio's behalf for him to be fourth place? I'm not surprised at that, Antonio. I think he's the only player after that game this season because he's been injured. Yeah, but he's been um, well good when he has. A lot of people... He's been good, yeah. Um, he's been superb, but um, I think Bonner is deservedly the runaway winner in that poll. Um, I think he's been just outstanding. Two winning goals as well. Um, it just, it's just class for me this season and, and back in the last season as well. Very, very good. And um, Sochek could, you know, could say that he's up there. Rice is always up there. But for me, Ogbana is just consistently good every single week. And um, yeah, I'm pretty sure he will win it at the end of the season as well. Well, he won me £1,250 for the Bobby Moore fund with his goal the other week against Aston Villa. So that was pretty good. If, if for nothing else, he should get the award because of that. Tom, are you um, so same as Jonesy? Think it's hands down Ogbonna? 64% of our Twitter followers uh, certainly seem to agree with that. He has been he's been brilliant. I was a little bit surprised last season with all the hype around him considering he was part of a a very, very, very leaky defence. But that seems to have all changed around this year. He's a leader in that squad and uh, he's probably playing his best football since he's been at the club. Yeah, no, I think I think that's exactly right. And I just looked at his age the other day in 32 and he's outstanding. He's playing the best football of his career and there's no denying that. I think if you look around that back five, it's it's not unfair to suggest that Cresswell looked an average player last season, very average player. Balgrana looked past it, very average player. Um, so he, he's had to take the mantle in that back five and now back four and be the out-and-out leader. So I did vote for him today, but in retrospect, I think that 
it's a lot closer. And I think the one we, we would struggle massively and would change the way we have to play is Suchek. I really do believe he gives us, as Martin said, so another dimension which no other team in the league really has. A true box-to-box midfielder who, who scores goals, defends at pieces, runs good enough on the ball to make those five-yard passes, sideways passes, and not give it away too often and, and be a solid foil for that back five slash back four, depending on what we play. So... It's a very hard one. I mean, Rice is undoubtedly our best player, but Ogbonna, in terms of what Hammer of the Year stands for and everything, I think as of now, yes, but should Suchek pop up with a few more goals, I think he'll be hard to beat. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think, um, yeah, it is nice. I do miss the old Winston Reid, Angelo Ogbonna uh, pairing at centre back. What a time to be alive that was supporting West Ham when you had them two at the back. Peak Cresswell. Uh, playing at left back as well just great great times obviously miss Joey O'Brien at right back too but lads Betway charity bets let's get straight to it we were close last week I mean I wasn't at all I was probably about as far away as I've been from winning a bet because the one element of mine was West Ham to score first so that went down the Swanee after about six minutes or whatever it was at Ellen Road. Tom, you went draw both teams to score and Ben Rama to score. So just the one of the three selections for you last week against Leeds. Jonesy, both teams to score more than 9.5 corners and over 3.5 goals. 3.5 goals, obviously letting you down. I don't even know about the corners. Were you close on that? I was just one Sebastian Haller missed chance away from, from winning that because the corners came in. So, um, with every single missed opportunity that had a spawned or that awful miss from four nows in the second half where he swung a boot at it for no reason, like he should have taken for 10 minutes to, to line up his shot. Uh, I would have won the bet, but yeah, frustrating for me, but three points all that matters, isn't it? Absolutely, absolutely. We're still trying to uh, win some money, of course. If you don't know, if you're a new listener to the podcast, me and the boys, uh, thanks to a £50 each stake from Betway that we get each week, we put on a a three-selection bet for the upcoming West Ham game and any winnings from those bets get uh, donated to the three charities that me and the lads are playing for. I'm playing for the Bobby Moore Fund. Tom is playing for Isla's Fight. Uh, which is raising money for Isla Caton's fight against neuroblastoma. And James is raising money for the DT38 Dylan Tombidi's foundation, which is great stuff. Crystal Palace coming up Wednesday night at the London Stadium. I've gone for more than 2.5 goals, both teams to score, and Fabian Balbuena goal anytime. The £1,250 I raked in from the Ogbonna goal anytime at West Ham to win and both teams to score against Aston Villa is the biggest win any of us have had so far this season. So I'm hoping, again, we're obviously really good at set pieces. I've got a feeling that's where our goals will come from. Again, this week, we're joint top of the league uh, at the moment for set pieces and I've read a hilarious tweet the other day saying West Ham are currently joint top of the league for goals scored from set pieces somewhere Sam Allardyce is sitting there proudly wiping away a tear to see what the team have become so yeah I fancy Fabian Pelpwinner up there he's always in the mixer he's uh, definitely got a goal in him saw a brilliant header from him already this season so I fancy we'll have some of that again Tom can you tell us please what you have gone for for your Betway charity bet for the Crystal Palace game 
I've kept to a relatively similar, simple formula again. I've gone both teams to score. I think we're the us and Liverpool have scored in the most games this season. We've scored in 11, they've scored in 12. So always fancy us to get one. And then I've gone Haller anytime and I've gone West Ham to win. I think my formula has been to back West Ham, as Chad told us early on this season. And it's not done me too badly in terms of getting one, one of the three parts right. So gone with that and I just hope one will actually fall for Haller this week and he won't panic when he gets in the, in the right place. And uh, Hopefully we get over the line again. Come on. Yeah, it's, it's not uh, beyond the realms of possibility that Haller, our striker, £45 million actually scores, is it? Jonesy, what have you gone for? I've gone for something a little bit different this week, boys. I've gone for correct score. Uh, West yeah. Ham to win 2-0. Very bold. Um, just thought, I'd, yeah, I'm just going to bump those odds up a little bit. You know, why not? Um, sorry, Ben Rama's a score. And another different leg is uh, a penalty to be awarded doesn't matter who who wins it uh, ideally West Ham given I've gone for the 2-0 win but um, I just think that there's with two sides playing the way they are with the tricky attacking skillful players that like to get in the opposition box as often as possible there's bound to be some uh, some moments where penalties could be awarded I think in this game and and as we already know we love conceding penalties at the very least don't we um, and teams often like missing them as well so maybe that will happen we'll see yeah absolutely mate absolutely well uh, Jonesy we'll take that as your score prediction for this week 2-0 Tom I, I've got more than two and a half goals both teams score bell winner anytime because I really can't see which way the game's going to go but I fancy that it will be two all um I don't know what makes me say that, but I just fancy a, a Desmond for this week. I do think there'll be more goals in it than people think, even though there's two defensive teams on display. What are you saying for score prediction? I hate playing Palace. I absolutely hate playing Palace. Whether it's Glenn Murray or Wilfred Zaha, they're one of their players that always rustle me for 90 minutes. And I, I, I'm with you, Will. I think it will be one of the more frustrating evenings. And I, I, I'm, I'm saying 1-1. One, one. One 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 one. So uh, cautious from me and you, Tom. Bold optimism from Jonesy. Manuel Lanzini does love a game against Crystal Palace, doesn't he? So if he gets any time on the pitch, fingers crossed, he can make an impact like he has done in the past. But stay with us because next up we've got Max Matthews, sports journalist and Crystal Palace fan, joining us to tell us whether we're talking absolute rubbish with our Betway bets and let us know whether Cheku Kiate or James Tompkins are in line to score for Palace against their old club. So you are still listening to the We Are West Ham podcast with me, Will Pugh, Tom Edwards and James Jones. Me and the lads looking to win some money there for the Betway uh, or with the Betway charity bets. Me for the Bobby Moore Fund, Tom for Eyeless Fight and James Jones for the DT38 Dylan Tom Beattie's Foundation. So cross your fingers for us and for West Ham this Wednesday night against Palace and delighted to say that joining us to discuss the game, to discuss West Ham's chances, to discuss 
Palace's chances and whether or not Cheku Kiyate is going to score against his old club is sports journalist and Crystal Palace fan Max Matthews. Max, delighted to have you on. Thanks very much for joining us. Uh, I don't know how much uh, James Tompkins has been playing recently, but Cheku Kiyate, I know, has been in the team playing a bit of centre-half as he used to for West Ham every now and then. Is he inevitably going to leap like a salmon from a corner and nod one home to put Crystal Palace 1-0 up in the 90th minute and do that weird uh, celebration he does with his hands wheeling away to the empty London Stadium, giving it large? <laughs> I'm honestly not sure. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, he he has been playing at centre-back, which is weird because he has played there for, for West Ham and, and Senegal as well. Um, but he never struck me as the kind of as the kind of player who would be able to do that. To be fair, he, he doesn't really have the technical skills to play in centre-mid in a Premier League team, in my opinion. But, you know, at least he can put his kind of athleticism and, and physicality to use at centre-back. Um, and, and he's done all right, although he's made a couple of mistakes. He has actually been a bit of a goal threat recently. He scored against Everton earlier this season uh, with a decent header. But to be honest, I expect James Tompkins, another former West Ham player, I expect James Tompkins to be back when he's fully fit. He's basically been injured for a long, long time. And he finally made the bench in the last game. So I think as he gets back into match fitness, he'll replace Kiyate and play alongside Cahill. What was the what was the injury? Because I think plenty of West Ham fans. I know. I think you gave us about twelve million quid or so for Tompkins when he left, which felt like good business at the time. But there was certainly a period afterwards when a lot of Hammers fans really missed Tompkins. He was he was a good player uh, when he left, and we struggled for centre halves, particularly. Um, you know, for for a period of time after he left, what, what what's he been out with recently? Because it's it's been really good to see from our point of view to see him doing well at Palace. Yeah, yeah, I, I was a little bit surprised because I think it was one of those deals where um, maybe both clubs saw it as good business because he wasn't playing so much at West Ham and you got a decent um, and you got a decent fee for him, as you say, twelve million around that. But then Palace got a kind of proven Premier League performer. Um, who basically has been first choice for most of the time he's been here. He has been struggling a little bit with injuries, which is why he's been out, he's been out of the leg injury for quite a long time, for a number of months since the end of last season. Um, but luckily, we've had the, we've got the depth at centre-half. We've got five or six players who can play there. And so um, we've been managing without him. But I do expect him to, to come back fairly soon. As I, as I said, he was on the bench, so I reckon he'll be, he'll be playing pretty soon. Max, one, one player that's caught the eye... Uh, for, for quite a lot of people for Palace this year is uh, Eze uh, heavily linked with West Ham in the summer uh, it always seems that West Ham and Palace are always after the same players Yeah, um, I think Jared Bowen was another one at the time Ben Rama potentially um, yeah, yeah, yeah. but Eze's ended up at Palace and he, he's beginning to sort of really sort of make you know really force his way into that into that Palace team and make a make a difference do you think he's a player that you know is going to be key to to breaking West Ham down on Wednesday night, and you know, for for twenty million quid, that's a big business, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I'm I'm so delighted that we managed to uh, just about beat West Ham to a signature. Given that you got uh, the edge on us for for Bowen and then Ben Rama, um, he's exactly the kind of player we need. I really don't want to hype him up too much because you know it's easy to do that with with young players, and and he hasn't been playing for us long. But he he looks like the exact kind of player that we need someone who's comfortable on the ball, he's confident, he's creative. Um, he makes a big difference to Zaha. Him and Zaha link up really nicely. And without wanting to speak too early, I think he's basically the successor to Zaha because Zaha 
is A, going to leave or, you know, he's going to retire before too long. He's getting to 28, 29 now. But Eze is 21, 22 in a Premier League team and he's absolutely bossing it. Um, it was his delivery um, against Tottenham, which we scored from. He hit the post during the game as well. Yeah, he, he's just a class act and he's, and he's going to be a big source of our creativity. Max, um, Roy Hodgson's obviously, for me, probably one of the most underrated Premier League managers in the last however long in, the, in its history, probably. But how far can, uh, what, nearly 80 is he? Or, or at least the oldest manager in the league and someone who's never seen to take Palace. He hasn't taken Palace up to the next level yet, as, as no one has yet in the Premier League. But how far can he take you and carry on managing Palace before the fans and the club and, and you guys all feel like it's the right time to move on and, and maybe get a success as Roy Hodgson, who might be more of a risk, but potentially more ambitious manager? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I really don't know how long it's going to be. His contract is up at the end of the year. And there, there, there was a little bit of surprise amongst the fans that he was given another year's extension last year up until the end of this season. But um, as much as he is obviously, you know, above 70 and in the danger category for, for seniors for COVID-19, which was a little bit worrying when, you know, your grandma and grandpa were being told to stay at home and he was supposed to be leading a Premier League team. But um, yeah, he, I'm, I'm really kind of torn on him because as you say, he is an underrated manager, I think. Um, and he's done really well with Fulham and West Brom, obviously that run to the Europa League final with uh, with Fulham. And he's always kind of overachieved at smaller clubs, maybe like Fulham and West Brom and Palace. But then when he's tried it and, um, and goes to Inter Milan or Liverpool or England, it hasn't quite worked out for him. But he, I don't think there are many managers who could do a better job with Palace's squad than Hodgson. But at the same time, there's a lot of frustration about his lack of ambition and his pretty, you know, negative play. And um, we, we, you know, we lost uh, successive home games to um, Newcastle and Burnley. And that was really, really dour. Um, yeah, it was horrible to watch. And no no shame in losing at home to Newcastle, Max. you're still not getting positive results. Sorry? A absolutely no shame in losing at home to Newcastle, that's for sure. <laughs> but, well, there, yeah, I know. there is but just um just a quick one i mean tom edwards put in seven years on roy hodgson then <laughs> saying he's nearly 80 when the poor man's only 73 so uh Fair enough. <laughs> yeah yeah close enough but i would say you said uh hodgson's underrated there i would say roy hodgson is rated he's neither over nor under i think he i think he's just a really good fit at Crystal Palace, he if he he screams fourteenth in the Premier League to me. I think obviously he had his little stint with England; it was a bit underwhelming. Everyone's a little bit impressed because he can speak loads of languages, and it feels like his best his best days are, are behind him for sure. But I, I've been quite refreshed this season to to see Palace come out and attack a few teams. I, I was really impressed with you last season in like that sort of grim, horrible way that you can be impressed with a team. You were really, really good at the back. You, I felt like you played to your potential. It wasn't very pretty. And if that sort of thing was, was going on at West Ham, there would be uproar in terms of the style of play. But I think, uh, I think I've been impressed this season. I think Eze coming in, your strikers seem to have a little bit more about them. Benteke almost seems to be getting back to the the man that Liverpool paid 30, 35 million quid for all those years ago. Um, I've been sort of, I've 
you know, quietly admiring of what Palace have been doing. But jumping forward to the game on Wednesday night, obviously quick turnaround from those at the weekend, an excellent result for both of our sides. Um, how do you see that game going? We've, we had Martin Allen on the show just now and we were saying the same sort of thing. It's going to be a difficult or an interesting game because both teams like to defend, don't they? Both teams are quite happy for the opposition to have all the ball and then spring on the counter-attack. The pressure is going to be on West Ham to break Palace down because they're at home. How do you see the game playing out? Yeah, yeah. I think the fact you're at home will make a difference because we saw um, in the latest round of Premier League games that the home fans made quite a big difference um, in, in terms of a positive impact. So Everton obviously beat Chelsea. Palace got a very good draw, uh, draw against Spurs. Southampton thrashed Sheffield United, who have been rubbish. But there was a bit of a sense that even having just 2,000 fans in the ground made a bit of a difference. You can obviously have a, a positive impact, but then it may have a slightly more negative impact for West Ham in that there's an expectation on you to go and attack, whereas you might be more comfortable kind of sitting back, as you said, um, with fans being there. Um, well, there there won't be, be an there won't be Max. West Ham feel like they have to go forward a bit more. Just, just, just based on what happened today, we had the, just this afternoon, the tiers have been changed. London's back into tier three. So West Ham are going to be back with no fans. So it's going to be behind closed doors again. So hopefully... Okay, well, in that case, scratch everything I just said. But <laughs> uh, based, based on your last game, though, um, where you moved from a back five to a back four, if I remember correctly, um, that's actually a pretty good move um, for Palace, basically, because we really, really struggle against wing backs. Um, because we just play the 4-4-2, very flat lines of four. Um, and against Wolves, for example, Wolves completely ran riot against us with their two wing-backs. And so I think um, having uh, Masuaka and Sufala at wing-back would have really, would have really troubled us. And to be honest, I, I, I would expect West Ham to look to use that formation potentially against, um, against Palace because we struggled with it so much, whether that means you put... Um, I don't know, Bowen at wing-back or maybe Cresswell and then put another centre-back in. But um, that could be a, a key tactical battle. Yeah, absolutely. I expect uh, after the, the good performance at, at Leeds with four at the back, that it will be the same again. But just quickly, uh, Max, this game, Wednesday night, 8pm, kick-off at the London Stadium, West Ham v Crystal Palace. What's your score prediction? Uh, I'm going to sound really pessimistic. I think you're going to win 2-1. Excellent. We'll have like some of that. We'll have some of that, Maxi. I, don't, I think you're the first opposition view who's given West Ham a chance of winning since the uh, beginning of the season. So we'll take that one all day long. But that was Max Matthews there, sports journalist and Crystal Palace fan, joining us for the opposition view on the We Are West Ham podcast ahead of Wednesday's game. But stay with us because next up, I am in the Quizmaster seat for Name That Game. So Max Matthews there, sports journalist and Crystal Palace fan. Finally, we've had an opposition view say that West Ham are going to win the game. Although that, um, it's boded well for us for most of the season uh, when the opposition viewers come on and said that West Ham are going to lose. We've normally gone and steamrolled them after that. Lads, it's named that game. It's back again. Jonesy, somehow you're still six points clear at the top of the leaderboard you are on 20 points i'm on 14 and tom is on 
13 points. So again, for any new listeners, each week the Quizmaster, which this week is me, picks a West Ham match from history and collates seven necessary pieces of information. Uh, the other two players have to guess those as the game goes on and they get a point for each correct piece of information they guess after the previous ones have been revealed. The pieces of information are obscure fact about the game, the scoreline only, one opposition goal scorer, one West Ham goal scorer, the stadium in which the game was played, West Ham's opponent and the season. If it goes to a tiebreaker, if the points are level after those first seven, then the lads have to guess in exactly which year the game took place. Jonesy, you're still streaking out ahead. You had another solid one last week. 2014-13, uh, you lead. I can't get any points this week at the moment, so it looks like I'll be back rooted to the bottom. You just take it in your stride every week, don't you? Much like the Hammers at the moment. Cool, calm and collected. Shrug your shoulders because just like David Moyes, winning is what you do. Winning is what I do. And uh, it's all about confidence. Um, you know, hopefully Haller's listening. He can can rub a bit, a little bit of confidence onto him as well. So yeah, it's just it's just, I'm, a, I'm a confidence player. That's all it is. <laughs> just on a on a roll at the moment, Tom. I'm not going to ask you about it. You're rooted to the bottom, but after today, it could be me. So I'm not going to rub it in. How about we just get straight to it? Come okay. On. So, lads, the obscure piece of information about this game is a Frenchman came off the bench and was sent off 10 minutes later when he picked up two yellow cards in the same incident. Musings at the moment from the boys. James Jones rubbing his chin. Tom Edwards pursing his lips with a... But no guesses so far from the lads. So, boys, the scoreline now. The scoreline was 4-0. Once again, James Jones scratching the stubble on his face. Tom Edwards looking down at his feet. Both boys deep in thought, but no answers forthcoming at the moment. Fact number three is one opposition goal scorer. And the opposition goal scorer was, I'm going to give you one, uh, was Brown Idai. Oh, oh, I've, oh, I think I'm. And he, in fact, that. scored two. So then, the next available guest, lads, I need one of you, if you can, to give me yeah. one West Ham goal scorer. Tom Edwards with his hand up. So Tom, give me one West Ham goal scorer. None. That is correct, Tom Edwards. <laughs> Excellent Come guess. On. However, however, James, I can see you booted off. Tom, that was uh, the points on the floor there. Uh, not the, for easy pickings. Unfortunately, it's not as easy for that. The point for this one, you did say you were going to guess first, and I like your cheeky approach. The point for this one is guessing the man who got sent off because he was a West Ham player. Um, Alu Diara. Alu Diara is incorrect. James, you get a chance at guessing the West Ham player who was sent off in this game in lieu of the fact there's no West Ham goal scorer to guess. He came off the bench. Two yellow cards in the same incident. Absolutely. Brownie Dye. Tom looks like he's got it. He looks very stressed out. Brownie Dye got two goals for the opposition in their 4-0 win against West Ham. 
I mean, it, you've, you've stumped me here. Um, Brown, didn't he play for... Oh. Nah, uh, French player. I'm going to say... Laurent Courtois. Was he, <laughs> he was French. Yeah, he's got to have been French, isn't he? With a name like yeah. Laurent Courtois. But uh, yeah, that, that goes then. And the player who got sent off it. West Ham, still no points at the moment. I'll tell you what, Tom, you don't get a point for it because you've already had your guess. But just for kudos and just to show off, who do you think the French player is who got sent off for West Ham? I know it. I know it. I was there. I was there. Morgan Amalfitano. I wanted it to was get Morgan Amalfitano. Oh, Thomas yeah. Edwards. No points. No points for that one. But... The point number five, or clue number five, is the stadium in which the game was played. So now you know the man who got sent off. Who wants to go first for guessing the stadium? Tom, I'm going to give it to you because you went first on the previous guess. You say you're at the game, so surely you're going to give me the correct answer to the stadium in which this game was played. It was at the Hawthorns. It was at the Hawthorns. James Jones, there's easy points on the floor for you here, my friend, with the opponent, please. West Brom. The opponent was West Bromwich Albion. Tom Edwards, this is huge for you for the 2-1 win to knock James Jones finally off of his perch. In which season, please, was did this game take place? I'm, pre- I'm pretty sure I know it because I think it was one of my last years at school and I, I missed a game for it. And I think it's 14-15 in the FA Cup run, wasn't it? Tom Edwards, that is correct. And he makes yeah. it 2-1. Everyone at home thinking his last year at school was last year is in fact incorrect. Mm. And Thomas Edwards has been a fully functioning adult for ages, apparently. But yeah, 2014-15, West Bromwich Albion away in the FA Cup. An absolute shambles of a game. I was up there as well, Tom. Me and my dad went up there. We luckily got there nice and early, sat at the front or close to the front that day. We were really up for it. It was a bit chilly, looking forward to the game. And there was a huge crash or some problems on the road. And it was, I believe, I think we went 3-0 down in really quick fashion. And me and my dad, for the, this is the earliest I've ever left a game of football. And we were close to leaving at half time and we said now you know what I think we were 3-0 down at half time West Ham who we went now you know what we'll give it 10 minutes because you never know if we score then yeah, who knows what could happen and there was still blokes pouring in at half time where the, the traffic was so bad poor guys were turning up it was we're already 3-0 down and they're just getting to the game I think Roy, uh, sorry, Roy Hodgson, uh, West Brom scored within about 10 minutes of the second half. And that's when me and dad went, nope, that's enough. And we were walking out on 55 minutes just as people are still turning up to the game just to watch the last 35 minutes as West Ham were already 4-0 down three hours away in Birmingham. Not a great time to be a Hammers fan that game, that's for sure. Were you, were you there the whole, for the whole thing, Tom? No, that's why I remembered it. When you said Brown had died, it clicked because no, I wasn't. And obviously we were proper looking forward to it. Last 16 in the FA Cup, quite a nice draw away at West Brom. I think that was the season we were fourth at December, pretty much like this season. We had Alex Song and we were flying in and it seemed like a very, very good chance to have a sniff at going to Wembley in a semi-final and uh, two games away and, and be bottled it. And I got there late and I missed uh, playing for my team at, back home. So it was just a horror. Horribly. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't good. The worst thing about it, yeah. So Brown Brownie Dai on 20 minutes. Um James Morrison got the second one on 42. I was lying about half time. We were only 2-0 down 
at half-time. Idai scored again on 57 minutes. Uh, Amel Fatano got sent off on 70, and then Saido Berahino made it 4-0 on 72 minutes. You know it's a bad game when Craig Gardner's bagging assists left, right and centre, don't you? <laughs> but, um, yeah, we were, we were going so well that season as well. It's just uh, just a shame. And it all came crashing down. But, of course, Big Sam Allardyce's uh, record in the Cups is uh, well documented at West Ham and the general contempt in which he held uh, any cup competition for West Ham, the fact that West Ham fans might actually want to do well. But it's another stonking, uh, or the first, I think, stonking win for Tom Edwards on Name That Game, which pulls you up to 15 points overall. Tom Jonesy, you go to 21. And I am, in fact, left rooted to the bottom on 14 points. Jonesy, you are the quiz master next week. So a chance once again for me and Tom to claw back some precious points on you but stay with us because next up we've got the West Ham women's section and what a week it has been you are still listening to the we are West Ham podcast with me Will Pugh Tom Edwards and James Jones a win there for Tom Edwards on name that game but it was not as emphatic as the West Ham women's 4-0 win at Bristol City on Sunday in the WSL still without a manager the West Ham women Wales boss Jane Ludlow is supposedly set to be named as the manager in the coming days after Matt Beard's departure a few weeks ago. But first of all, lads, there was business to attend to in the league while all the manager conundrums have been going on. Uh, 4-0 win at Bristol. Bristol are the worst team in the WSL. They're bottom two points. But West Ham were in danger of being dragged into a serious relegation scrap if they didn't get that win away on Sunday. But 4-0 was quite emphatic in the end. There's five points Above Bristol now, obviously only one relegation place in the WSL. West Ham still only 10th, but they're, they're back in the mix, Jonesy. Yeah, no, it's a really, really good thing. We were saying last week, weren't we, that given that only one team gets relegated in the WSL, it's the, it's a team that, what was it? it was a game in which three points was absolutely massive for both teams, really. And... Um, to win it 4-0 emphatically like that, you know, gives gives the team a lot of confidence going into yet another massive game against Villa or just below us on six points. And um win that one and then suddenly it's mid table and you put a, a bit of distance between between yourselves and, and the bottom two or three. Um and you know, give yourselves a little little bit of confidence going into into the new year. And no, a really, really good win. And um, particularly with this new manager talk, potentially new manager within the next few days as well. Um, it all seems to have gone from a lot of negativity and a lot of doom and gloom around the women's team to uh, potentially a lot more, a lot more to look forward to going into 2021. Yeah, exactly that, mate. I, th- I think that that's the thing, isn't it? With Bristol have been awful this season, to be quite honest. They've been on the end of some proper hidings. I mean, first goal was a, a stinker of an own goal from Bristol City, and you thought, oh, blimey. Here you go, that's why. But then I've got no idea how the girls didn't concede after that. They had a they had a goal, West Ham this is, they had a goal, uh, Bristol had a goal ruled out for offside before Jilly Flaherty went to head one out and proper 50p head syndrome, nearly put it through her own mm. net as a, quite a simple uh, defensive header. But again, got, got lucky on that one. Bristol did have a few chances when it was still 1-0 and you thought, oh, blimey, hang on a minute. 
this might not be as straightforward as, as lots of other teams have found it against them this season. But then the second goal was an absolute delight. Martha Thomas, who had a brilliant game, probably player of the match for sure, dinked in a left-footed cross from the right-hand side, and Emily Van Egmond was there. The deftest of finishes. And as if it was one of those, you know, like the no-look passes. It was just like, I was born to do this. The ball comes in barely even shrugged or moved, just stuck the right foot out, dinked it in to the bottom left corner. And uh, yeah, it was something, something to behold. But Tom, is it one of those things where that game could, it was such a banana skin, wasn't it? Again, we know Bristol haven't done well this season. They've only picked up two points, but they would have been going into the game at home against a team only two points above them before the game, thinking we can really do something here. Exactly, 100%. And West Ham would have been looked like the out-of-form club with no manager, players sort of distraught with the close-knit relation that they have with him. So they definitely would have looked at it as the game to get them back on the horse. But to go away from home to win 4-0, have over 60% possession and dominate large parts of it, getting your main players um, in form again. Rachel Daly, that's now 2-2 two two for her. Scored against Chelsea the week before. And you've got Van Egmond with a brilliant finish, like you mentioned. You had a patch just before, just before Beard got sacked, where she started to to pop up with some key goals and vital goals, and and to get her scoring and keep her scoring in that manner as well, it can only do good things for us. And and it's easy to go there without a manager and get turned over by a team who probably saw that as as a very good opportunity to get some points on the board and catch up with the the pack ahead of them and clear clear of the relegation zone. So, very good win for the girls and. It looks like this will be the week or the following week where we'll finally hear some news on the manager. And on that, I heard about Jack Collison was in the frame for the hat. I, I know he's now seems to be not not getting the job, but there was strong talks that he might go there and obviously friend of the show. And it, it would be very interesting to see how his transition into women's football went. So that's one to maybe look out for in the future. Jack Collison getting involved in, in women's football some, to some level because I, I believe he was quite keen on, on that job itself. Yeah, well, look, we'll have a little bit more on the manager situation in a minute. Just on that game at Bristol, it was Emily Van Egmond again after the t- uh, turning up, sorry, for that, that absolutely outstanding second goal. She turned provider for the third, floated another cross in from the left-hand side. You mentioned Daly there, let like a Sam to head that home. And then by the end of it, it was just getting dark and Kenza Daly, uh, Kenza Daly, sorry, runs up from the middle of the pitch, an absolute mazy run, proper PSG quality. You could tell that she played at the highest level on the end of that one. Lays it to Martha Thomas on the edge of the box, who drilled it home. I do think, I'll be honest, you've got to give them some credit, Bristol. 4-0 was harsh on them, I think. They had some really good chances throughout the game, and the girls were lucky to um, to escape with a clean sheet, I think. But yeah, great, great stuff from the girls, and an absolutely massive game. Aston Villa at home. On Sunday, this Sunday, coming three o'clock kickoff. So, a great chance to push on. And I think that win, depending on other results, could put the girls seventh. So, that's proper mid table sort of stuff, which again, it seemed a little bit doom and gloom for a time. Certainly seems like uh, the Matt Beer's departure was the right decision for all parties. And just great to see the girls get some good results under their belt in the meantime. But, lads, this is a story that only started breaking this afternoon and it's Wales women's boss Jane Ludlow set to be named as the new manager of the women's team you mentioned Jack Collison there Tom and his name was in the frame he's out in Georgia in the US at the moment the club weren't you know tripping over themselves 
to deny those links with Collison. But uh, yeah, a story that broke only this afternoon, so it's Monday afternoon when we're recording this, um, that Wales boss Jane Ludlow is set to succeed Matt Beard. But it's understood that several candidates have interviewed for the role this week. There's no more... Um, Sort of no more mention of, of any names in that BBC report, but a bit more detail this evening coming out, suggesting that there was uh, there was some interest, certainly, in, in Jack Collison. Whether or not it would be too soon for him or not, I'm not sure. But So, Josie, Jack Collison, he's out in Georgia at the moment, trying to build up his experience. But do you look at that, one of those where it's a little bit steeped too much in sentimentality? You've got Jane Ludlow, who's been in charge of the Wales women's team since 2014, far more experienced than Collison. Would you, would you prefer to see her given the gig, or do you think give Collison a go? I mean, I can, I can see why Collison might potentially want the job you know he's he's getting that coaching experience he's made made no secret in the past that he wants to you know take his career into coaching at a, a high level but um I think this is the job where it probably does demand a little bit of experience um and Jane Ludlow has that not just as a manager but as a player as well you know, she's very very decorated player in her day with Arsenal um she's won European Cups she's won league titles, uh, player of the years. He's Arsenal's all-time top goal scorer as well, I think. So she has that experience on both sides in the women's game. And I think if it is a toss-up between Jack Collison and, uh, and Jane Ludlow, then I think for, for the good of the club uh, and for good of the, uh, the the team's, you know, fortunes and potential of actually climbing the league table and, and over the course of a few seasons and really getting to where Jack Sullivan will, will want that club to go. Uh, the team to go. I think the experience has got to be key. Doesn't mean to say that Jack Collison uh, wouldn't be a, a, a would be a bad appointment. I just think you know, with him lacking any managerial experience at that level, you know, if it doesn't work out, then you set yourself back and you potentially miss out on someone like Jane Ludlow, who I think would be a very very good appointment given her experience at international level as a manager, but also. Just as an experience as a player as well, you know, you, you don't get an opportunity to get managers like that very often. So um, I'm sure Jack's time will come. No, I mean, well, I say Ludlow's been a director of football. She's also managed Reading in the WSL as well. You know, the phrase "been around the block" uh, as far as women's football goes, then she ticks loads of boxes there. Would you? Would you consider? I know Birmingham's manager Carla Ward were, is supposed to have been a target as well. So again, you're targeting. You mentioned last week, I think James, looking to target someone in the same division. You are. I like the idea of bringing Ludlow as an international because you're you haven't got that uh, sort of poaching off of off of the teams in and around you. And again, Birmingham not doing that much better than West Ham. Uh, the, the Ludlow appointment seems an attractive one. Would you, I don't know if the budget would allow it, but Ludlow in charge, Collison as her assistant? Yeah, I suppose so. I mean, that'd be good experience for Collison. You know, if he's got his eyes on a top managerial job in the future, then, you know, there's no better way of learning them than taking an assistant's job, is there really? Um, and then working your, your your way up the ladder that way. Um, I think that would be that would be quite a good little team. It's whether it's whether that's the plans, the plans off the pitch, and and whether Collison would be would be interested in doing that, or whether he wants to go straight into take a manager's job. I don't know, but um, 
yeah, I mean, if you can get both, then it's happy days. You've got someone that knows the club inside out, but then you've got someone with the experience both on and off the pitch as a manager and a player to really know how to get the best out of the, uh, about, uh, out of the team. So it could, it could work with both of them. Absolutely. We'll certainly stay tuned for more news on that. But I think it's nice, certainly from my point of view, when that story broke this afternoon, it's just a bit of relief. You think, ah, you know, obviously there was things going on in the background. Not much had been, or hardly anything had been leaked out about it at all. I was doing my best in the past couple of weeks to find out from from people who might be in the know. And there was was nothing. There was a a real tight ship. Um, No news sort of leaking out or coming out of the club. Or from anywhere else, really. So uh, it looks like this story this afternoon has certainly got some some legs. So so stay tuned. And hopefully this time next week, we'll be celebrating another win for the girls at home to Aston Villa on Sunday. A few more places moved up in the WSL and a new manager and a new era on the horizon. That is pretty much it for tonight's show. But stay with us because we'll have some final thoughts from the lads and the Fantasy Premier League update next. So that is it for another show. Absolutely delighted to celebrate another West Ham United win away from home this time. 2-1 against Leeds. This season's surprise package in the Prem. We kept their potent attack quiet and nodded a couple home. Brilliant headers from Thomas Suchek and Angelo Ogbonna. Absolutely wonderful to have Martin Allen join us again. It's been a while since we spoke to him, Jonesy. The last time we did, it was in the days of the old West Ham show on Love Sport Radio, which some of our listeners will, of course, remember. Uh, Brilliant show. Look ahead, of course, to the Crystal Palace game with Max Matthews. Now, Jonesy, obviously I'll come to you for some final thoughts, um, but I don't want this next section to affect how you approach that. I don't want it to let it get in your head, affect your mood. It has done the past couple of weeks. We've had an influx of messages from listeners to the podcast, very concerned about your well-being. You're really upbeat for most of it, apart from what Phantom Hammer said, of course, but you're upbeat for most of the podcast, delighted with West Ham's recent form, and then it gets to the Fantasy Premier League segment at the end. Everyone's heard how impressive you were in seasons gone by. People asking you for advice on their teams, to ask you to run their teams for them so they win some money at work. You're basically a Fantasy Premier League consultant. Where has it all gone wrong? Yeah, I've had a bad start to the season, haven't I? But um, last couple of weeks... I've clawed it back. I think last week I got 75, um, or the week before last, and then the last game I got 62, which is about 10 above the the overall average. So, and you got to be happy when you when you're clearing the average like that. Um, little a bit, bit small of, team little mentality, bit. wouldn't you say? No, no, no. Because given the start that I had and um, didn't get a captain return for I think it was seven weeks in a row. Um, not a goal or an assist for my captain for seven weeks and it's going to hit you hard but last couple of weeks I've begun to get a little bit of consistency um, and you know I'm, I'm not I know you got more points than me again this week Will but uh, unlike last week sorry um, mate it broke up then say that again I'm not I'm not disheartened by it at all I'm actually quite positive about about the rest of the season because um, all I needed was a couple of consistent weeks and I've had I've got that now and um, I'm, I'm back in my stride and I'm feeling good about myself. 
Are you bothered at all that, not only, I know you said you got less points than me this week, but are you at all bothered that you were the lowest scorer out of the three of us once again? You got 62 points in the week. Tom got 63 and I got 77. Not bothered at all, Jonesy? No, because uh, on Sunday evening, I was having a little look at all of our teams and um, I'm still confident that, you know, this, the league table isn't going to stay as it is for the rest of the season. Let's put it that way. <laughs> and given the fact that I think both of you have really used some of your chips as well, which is schoolboy at this time of season. So, um, so yeah, I'll just you know just hold, just hold your horses. I'm coming. James Jones, absolutely uh, quietly confident after two good weeks of fantasy, despite being the lowest scorer out of the We Are West Ham trio once again. Tom, 63 for you. Uh, you're on 642 points in total, which is 20 points above Jonesy. I'm on 749, so Jonesy's still pretty confident he can uh, claw back that 127 points that he currently sits behind Easy. me. Oh, easy from James Jones there, Tom. How I, are you I feeling? Once, I want, just, just, just before you go to Tom, I once won a money league with my mates uh, when I was 130 points behind the leader in February and I still won the league. So just hold your horses, mate. James Jones, harking back to past fantasy glories once again. Tom, 63 points for you, 642 in total. How are you feeling? I'll take it. I, I'm getting. I'm getting the nucleus of my squad down now. I, I know who I like. I know who I don't. And I'm slowly, slowly weaning them out. Um, Mane. A lot. Of, a lot of money's gone on that man for very little gain. I mean, obviously, we watch him week in, week out. He's a, he's a world class footballer. But we don't get it at the fantasy points. So he's hooked. He's already done that. Chance is already done this week, boys. I ain't going to tell you who, but he's out. But yeah, we're getting there, mate. As I said, I feel disgusting every time I look at it and put the armband round Kane, but he, he just mows down the points. So he'll be in there until May or whenever this weird season ends. But I feel all right. I, it, it annoys me when I was, I think I was on 50 points before Saturday or Sunday for some reason. We had Suchek and Bowen. Look to your points and you're still on 60 something. And it's about to, it was driving me insane, mate. I thought, come on, there's one week I've just got to do him. I'll have him next week. Absolutely, mate. Yeah, I, I am enjoying it this season. I must admit, right, so obviously anyone listening at home, uh, you can join the We Are West Ham Listeners League, uh, CNY6OU, all lowercase letters in that to, to join the We Are West Ham Listener League. There's more than 450 people in there. Uh, I think we had a few more this week. It was 442 Last week, we've had a couple of new additions. And somehow, had another good week. Josie, I'm 14th in the entire We Are West Ham podcast league. I'm pretty impressed with that. I'm in the top, God knows whatever percent that is. I think top 0.25% of all the We Are West Ham listeners. I assume there was, or there certainly is, more people who listen to this podcast who know more about football than I do. Rudy Eagling is still top of the league with 814 points he got 60 points this week but Jeremy Pike who is our new second place contender had an absolutely mammoth week moved to second place and closed Rudy's lead to just 20 points at the top Rudy's team is Moyes Mavericks and yeah Jeremy Pike second he got 110 points which I think is about 25 percent of your total points this season, Jonesy. He did use his bench boost chip, but uh, yeah, 110, fair play to Jeremy. So it's hotting up 
uh, at the top of the league as well. And I would be absolutely buzzing if, uh, as the host of the podcast, I can also put in a decent showing on behalf of the three of us in the league as well. No comment yeah. from me on that. <laughs> I don't want to give you 110 points is, is good from, um, from Jeremy. I mean, at least, you sh- you, at least you'd expect with a bench boost. What did you get with your bench boost this, this season? Didn't I haven't you used that one yet. No, I haven't used I that used mine. I used right. mine, and I think Bowen managed to miss about 118 chances <laughs> in the game that happened. So, yeah, I got done. <laughs> oh, dear, so, oh, dear. Not good. I have used my free hit already, Jonesy. That's what you're thinking about. And I did all right that week, so... I'm not uh, not too concerned. But James, some final thoughts from you. It's been a brilliant show so far. Not great for you on fantasy, but you seem confident there. But everything else, it's brilliant for West Ham. Sixth in the league, a good win for the women's team. We've had Martin Allen on, our seventh former player in seven weeks. Uh, it's brilliant stuff at the moment for the podcast. Um, what are you saying? How are you feeling? Some final thoughts from you before we say goodbye. Yeah, no, it was good to have Martin Allen on. Um, good that he he was keeping an eye on, uh, keeping keeping you know, his eye on my back when it looked like my wife was burgling my ass, <laughs> and uh, and it was good to be told off by him when I said if we win rather than rather than when we win. So you know, it's always a good pleasure to, to chat to Martin Allen, and um, just looking forward to Wednesday night now. Uh, I, th- I just I can't remember the last time I felt like this when it came to West Ham. Looking forward to the next game. Because we were always so used to dreading the next fixture because we're in a relegation battle and the next game means so much, uh, so much on the line. But, you know, if we win, if we beat Palace, we're comfortable in the in the top six. If we don't, then it's so tight still that we're still in, a, in and amongst it all. And um, it's just great to be in that discussion. And um, when you've got... You know, a big. Like you've got like Premier League posting a picture of the top six, and there's there's little old West Ham sitting in there, and again, oh, it's tight at the top, and it's like, oh my god, we're we're in amongst it. Um, so yeah, it's. Um, I'm looking forward to Wednesday, and I fancy us as well. And I'm like Tom, I hate playing Palace, I hate playing Palace. Um, <laughs> so yeah, fingers crossed for the three points. Absolutely, I do like a London derby. I'd just like to point out though, Jonesy. Let's remember everyone who's enjoying it at the moment. This is what we were promised. Promised a big stadium, we were promised a big team. And it's about time that we've started getting uh, what we did the swap for when we moved from Upton Park. So I'm delighted for everyone listening at home who's enjoying watching West Ham at the moment. But remember, this is what you were promised and we do deserve all of the enjoyment that's coming at the moment. Tom, some final thoughts from you before we say goodbye after another positive week supporting the Mighty Hammers. Exactly that. I, I couldn't be prouder of, of the squad this season, David Moyes and, and uh, everything that's going on on the playing side of things at the club at the minute. But it, it really is the hope that kills you. And I think um, I'm going into, I get more nervous the better we do because each game becomes, could we, could we, could we, could we push these teams? Could we push Europe? And it's a nightmare for me. I'm a terrible watcher with all the blokes who've been public with me or whatever. The, the nerves get me, but it, it's happy to feel like Jonesy said that we've got something to play for, got something worth getting excited for and worth feeling nervous about coming 14th, 15th, 18th and starting a season, 10 points off Newcastle and things like that. There's no enjoyment in that. So at least to be in there, going to games excited and not knowing what's going to happen next in the season in terms of Europe is brilliant. And so bring it on. I really fancy us against Palace, but 
don't want to get ahead of myself because Wilfred Zaha, I can see him doing an annoying dance in front of our fans on camera at some point in the evening. Absolutely. Well, look, shame, lads, that we couldn't go to the game together, but uh, everyone, we're all in it together, so stick with it. Till the new year, hopefully we'll be back at it again before we know it, especially with the vaccine being rolled out across the country. Everyone at home, follow us on Twitter at we are underscore West Ham. We've got Instagram as well. If you want to watch this week's show and all of our previous shows on YouTube, where we've interviewed all of those players and former assistant managers that I've just mentioned, go onto our YouTube. It's in the podcast description below. Do subscribe to the podcast if you don't already. If you're new, then do subscribe. Give us a review as well. That's what we would absolutely love. Subscribe to the channel, like the podcast, et cetera, et cetera. You know the drill. And importantly, just tell your friends about it. If uh, you listen to the podcast, talk about it, spread the word, word of mouth, all of that sort of stuff. But that is it for this week. Angelo Ogbonna showed his leadership qualities at Leeds. Let's hope the Hammers continue to cope without King Arthur for the, for the visit of the Palace. West Ham are sick. Pay respect to David Moyes. Enjoy it up the hammers and we'll see you next week. Hi, this is Tony Cotty and you're listening to the We Are West End podcast.